0: Okay, we're back. It's the super Size Superman episode of the Geek Ricks podcast. It's Kyle. Hey, how's it going? I'm joined by Hannah. Hello. Kyle. Hi. Jane. Hey. Harper. Hello. And all the way in the UK at one o'clock in the morning, our good friend, Mr. Andrew Jameson. Hello. And so we're going to talk about Batman B Superman, Dawn of Justice it is called Batman v Superman, not versus, not 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 Vaughn, not <laughs> violates Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, the sequel to 2013's Man of Steel, uh, a film that uh, was critically uh, received with mixed notices. And when we talked about it at the Geek Rex podcast, about oh a few years ago uh, i think we were all a little bit mixed on it as well and this was before cal's time too so and cal and i've had further discussions about it so are uh, we veer kind of both positive and negative here um with batman v superman uh the critics results are in the box office is in and there's all kinds of discussion about critics and how they impact the box office and blah 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 whatever it doesn't matter let's talk about what we think about the movie i'm gonna go around robin first with everybody just give me your general thoughts uh i'm gonna go ladies first what did you think about batman v superman dawn of justice
1: Okay, so I think my assessment will be one of the kinder ones in this whole podcast, probably. It's interesting because usually you and I see these movies a little bit early, and I get to kind of make my own opinion unfettered with, you know, what critics have said. In this case, I saw it well after all of the reviews had come out, and I was expecting something much, much worse than what I saw. It's definitely not a perfect film. and has a lot of narrative choices that don't make any sense. But at the same time, I was expecting Batman versus Superman, and that was what I got. <laughs> like I was not expecting there to be some really intelligent arc that put two good guys up against each other in a way that made me sympathetic for both. And then I knew they were going to pivot towards something else, which they did. It was just overstuffed in a way that I completely expected. I don't know that I would recommend it to people, but I definitely do not feel the scathing hatred some people feel.
0: Okay, moving on. Harper. Uh, I've got some scathing hatred. (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, I I went in not expecting a lot and was, you know, I don't know if it was lower than those expectations, but it definitely was, was right on with that. I it just felt like the whole movie was kind of a train wreck and not not in the kind of way that's really exciting to watch i actually found it really boring for about 90% of the movie um but my my main problem with it is it it felt like a really boring superman movie and a really bad batman movie um i think probably if i had to pick one central thing that really bothers me about the movie it's um the i think the characterization of batman is just completely wrong. It really makes him out to be kind of a dumbass who just falls for this really thinly veiled plot. And, you know, for the world's greatest detective, he's really not so bright in this one and is kind of useless towards the end. So it's, it feels like it's, you know, not a very good Batman movie, not a very good Superman movie. Uh, It's a decent Wonder Woman movie for about 10 minutes. And the, all, all the expanded universe DC stuff is, laughably ridiculous to me. I was rolling my eyes and trying not to laugh the whole time. Um, so I, I just, yeah, this is not one that I, I'm planning on re-seeing. And, uh, you know, like uh, with The Dark Knight Rises, I was disappointed and ready to see it again to change my opinion. I'm I'm kind of done with this one.
3: Shane. Um, I mean, I know you, me, and Hannah kind of talked about this when Hannah had her reaction, because her reaction was pretty much exactly like mine, um, where I went in thinking oh this is just gonna be trash everybody's saying it's the iron man 2 of the dc universe which compared to some of the things people have been saying about this movie over the weekend i'd say that's one of the kinder bad things that have been said about it um yeah i I ended up not hating it i I don't love it either i'm probably one of the few people on this earth who would still defend man of steel and i actually kind of love man of steel for the most part um except for the one thing that everybody justifiably dislikes about that movie but for the most part, I love Man of Steel, so I was—I had a lot of goodwill going into this movie, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Superman was the biggest thing I didn't like about the movie. But other than that, I—I I, I agree with the overstepped complaints and things like that. But I didn't find myself hating it.
0: And Cal,
4: I went in with pretty low expectations, but you know, I mean, Man of Steel—for all that it was a bad movie—I thought it was also a visually interesting one it was pretty and that's something that you know i mean for all that i don't like Zack snyder very much as a director i think that he reliably turns out pretty movies so like the one thing that i hoped this movie would be which was like even remotely attractive to look at it was i mean it was fucking ugly like the it had one thing it had to do to meet my expectations and it couldn't even muster the one thing Zack snyder is kind of notoriously okay at so, yeah, I mean this, this was – even with the exceedingly low standards I went in on, this was a disappointment.
0: Andrew?
5: Um, I think it's a film that strives for narrative complexity and aims for all, all these huge character moments and character beats. And it fails on absolutely all of them. It's almost a film where, do you know those pieces of plasticine that you throw a mirror and you you try to get one to stick? It's almost like that with every idea in the movie. Nothing's followed through. Um, I didn't like the characterization of Batman. The script seemed to jeer from one bit to the next bit with no connection whatsoever. And I just came out of it feeling sad, really. So yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. I mean, I I enjoyed the visuals more so than more so than Cal did, but I just thought it was absolutely mind-numbingly bad. So yeah, <laughs> that's that, don't actually no sorry. I've, I've calmed down a little bit. I do like part of it, but it just doesn't make a whole. And I just think it's a fractured waste of money and time.
0: I had a a long, dark tea time of the soul with this thing because I saw it before all of you uh, last week, like at the very first press screening, and I wrestled – with what I thought about this movie. And I, I kind of came away thinking, you know what, this is just kind of a wreck. And I, uh, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And then I thought, oh, no, no, it is about as bad as I thought. And then it just became like this inner turmoil, awful thing. I had trouble sleeping that night. It was, it was bad. And then I went with Hannah again to the IMAX screening. And things gelled for me a little better than uh than than they had initially, and uh, what I came to realize about the movie, at least from my perspective, is that there are some interesting ideas on paper that are not executed very well. Uh, I think uh, Goyer or Terio, I don't really know who's responsible for what in the script, but there are a couple of uh philosophical questions asked that I found interesting and worth pursuing that don't necessarily get addressed, and they're not addressed in a satisfying way, But the fact that they're asked is at least admirable. And so I guess where I sort of fall on this thing now is that it feels kind of like just an admirable failure uh, or at least an interesting one. But that doesn't necessarily make it a good movie per se. It's just kind of is. And I kind of put it right there amongst like, I don't know, the Iron Man 2s of the world and the Thor 2s or whatever. I mean it's just a not great superhero movie. But it sounds like we've got some, some at least split opinions about Batman. So let me start there. Uh, since Ben Affleck, everyone's focusing on Sad Fleck, um, and uh, you know his his major size presence in the film. I would argue he's probably the one character who actually has a character arc of any kind. Mm-hmm. So, what did we think about Batfleck in general? And I and I'm going to leave this open for anybody that just wants to jump in. I'm not going to call on anybody. So, can I, can I yeah. jump on, on this one? Do it, man. Uh,
5: I thought the portrayal of, um, I thought Ben Affleck's portrayal was absolutely fantastic. The only problem comes, do you know that end moment when he's kind of he's beaten Superman to a pulp? Um, Superman mentions Martha's name, and then suddenly Batman has this huge turnaround, and then suddenly Superman's his best friend after he's kind of acted like a complete idiot for the whole movie. I think the problem with his characterization is he almost becomes this kind of Nietzschean um, figure within the story who kind of doesn't believe in life anymore, um, is broken, is damaged, doesn't care about anything. But at no point does Schneider or the scriptwriters let the audience into the context of why that is his reality. So by the time he has this huge turnaround, it hasn't been addressed well enough by the film for you to feel anything about it other than okay, these guys are going to team up now. It just felt it, like most things in the movie that it 's there as an idea, but it 's not pursued enough, and it 's not the depth isn't isn 't there so you have you have Bruce drinking um, having kind of one night stands with women, and even Alfred seems to address that he 's a broken man through the film, but it 's never actually given the thematic weight that it dissolves that, sorry that, that it deserves as the story goes on, so that by the end. As Kyle says, he does have an arc, but, but it's, it's kind of an arc with a huge gap in the middle and then that seems to come together. And I detested the fact that he seemed to just shoot criminals. I just found that um, strange. And the last point I'll make about it, In the lots of the press reports and loads of the reviews have mentioned that Batman is kind of, do you know the phrase, the a-hole Batman? And that's the kind of Frank Miller, violent kind of concept of the character. But I always thought with that Batman, and even kind of the Batman in um, Miller and Jim Lee's comic book, that was so ridiculous and over the top that it actually became a little bit subversive. And even that wasn't done well enough for you to think, God, my word, this Batman is absolutely crazy. So Ben Affleck was good, but I don't think the story suited the weight of his performance.
1: Yeah,
4: he was, I I liked a lot of things about Ben Affleck. Uh, Like I agree, you know, there's a lot to like about him. He was, it was an interesting casting choice and I think it paid off. But I mean, as you say, like nothing really comes out of any sort of saying, like you never know why he's doing most anything like the scene at the beginning that sets up his entire animosity with super is fucking hates Superman but the reason that he hates Superman is, like, this really convoluted scene where he flies to Metropolis to give an order to evacuate his building after everyone else has already evacuated, apparently. So, like, he apparently has some real strict hiring guidelines here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he flies there and tells everyone to evacuate. But the, the the middle manager decides, like, you know, it's like middle managers have to go down with the ship, I guess. And so he decides to just chill there and just wait to die. Because uh, we don't see anyone else there. It's not like he didn't have time to evacuate. Just He just decided to wait. And just the whole thing was so overwrought. Like, it didn't make sense why the characters were there. And then, you know, watching it and thinking, like, wait, who the fuck is Jack? Why do I give a shit about Jack? Why do any of us give a shit about Jack? Like, I know, oh, okay, like, dignity of human life. But that would matter a little bit more in a movie that where you know, Batman didn't rake up, like, a 40-person body count. You know, this is not a movie that's concerned with, like, human life in any level. So, I mean, even the characters who have sort of an arc, like Bat, you know, Batman definitely has sort of an arc, but you still don't know why he's doing anything. Lex Luthor has sort of an arc, but you never know why he's doing any of the things he's doing. So the whole arc just ends up feeling, like, really, really out of nowhere as it... It just feels like the whole movie to me. Something happens, and then something else happens, and then something else happens. And maybe some of them are connected, and maybe they aren't. But you'll never know, because it's not in this draft of the script. I think it's really telling. Someone, did, uh, someone read Goyer's script and Terrio's script, and apparently uh, Zack Snyder just freely took from both of them whatever sounded interesting. So there are some, uh, there are some things in there that are just straight from Goyer's script. That Terry o cut, so there's no setup in his version. And Zack Snyder didn't keep the setup, he just kept the payoffs.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of how the movie felt on the whole to me, is like I think the reason I wasn't completely disappointed is because unlike Harper, who said he was bored, I was expecting to be really bored. And I was more baffled than bored most of the time. And some of that was because of laziness and setup and writing. But some of it was because he took some really cool and weird things, gave them no context. Granted, like the weird nightmare with the Flash showing up or whatever that was. <laughs> like there was a lot of stuff going on. And I I just I, I do tend to agree with Kyle that it, it it's like it tried to do things it couldn't do, which I guess was a better failure than I was expecting. I was expecting more of like just relentless punching and action over and over. And that was my big fear for this movie is that it would be only that. And I still think, like you said, with, with Batfleck or Ben Affleck, I think he was very well cast to the point that I am still interested in seeing Ben Affleck as Batman in another movie. I think the casting on the whole is like the one thing for me that kind of saved this film from slipping into unwatchable because I think if they had cast a whole different set of actors, I was telling Kyle, you know, for all the crap this movie's getting for Lois Lane and her characterization, this is one of the few blockbusters I can think of where there are three leading ladies over the age of 40 and it's not about living in a nursing home or something. Like, it's sad that that's a plus, but it is a plus to me. Like, they're they're not, you know, 22-year-old senators and a 21-year-old... From Superman, like that's
0: a genuine. Us from that was very well cast. Yeah, let me let me just say this about the Batman arc. Like, I again, it's this idea of what works on paper doesn't really work on screen. Like, I know that there's a lot of concern about, and and rightly so. I mean, about this Batman that's kind of he's kind of a thug, right? And he kind of you know he brands these criminals with this brand that ends up getting them killed in jail. That's kind of an icky line of thinking related to this that's you know intended for kids but like i can see what is trying to be done here they're trying to portray batman as someone who is so haunted by his inability to catch the guy that killed his parents especially his mother which i think it's interesting that they focus on the mom this time more so than the dad like in the nolan films that he's become this sort of you know punisher like figure that is taking out all of that frustration onto the criminals he, he he deals with now. And that eventually coalesces into, I'm about to kill this guy with a kryptonite spear right in the heart, which is an ex- a very extreme thing, something only an imbalanced person would do. It makes Batman not terribly likable, which is a big problem. But I see what what's happening with this arc, and eventually when he goes and saves this mother named Martha, coincidentally enough, that sort of, in in theory should exercise that demon a little bit. And I think that's kind of a nice idea, but it just, the execution is all fucked up like i mean the way that scene is why did you say that name why did you say that name and it just it just ends up becoming kind of laughable which is unfortunate because i like the idea and i like Ben Affleck in this role he looks the part he's built like the animated series batman kind of yes. kind of boxy and he's got the chin i mean he looks the role it's just the material is failing him in a way that i find more tragic than i would if this was like you know daredevil or green lantern or something
3: This is um, more a problem with kind of what you were saying with the writing than because I didn't really have any problems with the way Ben Affleck did anything with the material he was given. But, like, they do a lot to establish this as firmly being a Batman that's been Batman for a while, and, like, some of the things they do really well, and I think the only things they do really well that establish that really well are all the scenes in the Batcave, particularly anything with him and Alfred working together in the Batcave and things like that and the way the Batcave's set up. That helps to establish that this is a Batman That has been doing things for a while, but then like the branding or like what Harper says, he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective and he falls for uh, flimsy little notes that get sent to him. I guess he's a Batman that he's been doing this for a while, but he's never fought the Riddler before because this this would be old news to him if that were the case. But uh, uh, it's yeah, it's kind of like just to repeat on what y'all been saying. It's more a problem with the material than the actor in this case, which could be said for Superman as well in this movie.
0: And, and, I, and I want to pivot to that in a second, but I'll let Harper get the last word here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't have any problems with Affleck either. I, I have a lot of problems with Batman in this movie, and none of them involve him or his portrayal of the character at all. Um, but, I mean, the other thing – I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys have been saying. Maybe the one thing I can add is that um, – maybe this is a personal thing, but to me in a movie about a Batman versus Superman, Batman should be the good guy. To me, Um, I mean, he's he's the human. He's the he's the guy who's dedicated his life to doing something better because of something bad that happened to him. I mean, to me, in in all those kind of stories, Batman, the human, you know, the the peak of what humankind can accomplish should be the good guy. And he's so not. He's such a doofus and a. uh, yeah, I mean, just a thug, like you said. I mean, the the fact that he, he won't even let Superman get a word in is like, oh, this is such a badass moment. But it's like, why would he not just, like, listen to, like, the two seconds and Superman wants to explain what's actually happening?
0: Hey, um, my mom's been kidnapped. Yeah, <laughs>
2: seriously. Like, that's all it would take.
1: <laughs> or I have a mom. That's
2: really all it would take. Yeah.
4: He, he doesn't care that he has a mom. Remember, he actually makes fun of the fact that he has a mom right before then. He only cares because his mom's name is Martha. Yep. <laughs> that's literally it. Because right before then, he's like, I bet your t- parents told you you were special. You're not. Nothing special. <laughs>
5: yeah, and I think that's, that's where the sense, that's where that Nietzschean kind of approach comes across. But what I, when he goes to save uh, Martha Kent... First he kind of burns the guy alive, and then suddenly goes to speak to her. And then, then she kind of what does she say to him? Oh, you must be with my son. And then he has a little quip after just burning somebody alive. It's just the kind of the switch in tone between these things that happen just seem absolutely just from another universe. I just yeah, I just I didn't I didn't get the shifts in tone around about that time of the movie. I thought it was rid- not ridiculous. Cause I'm being a bit harsh on the movie. I did like it, but it's 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 just. It just felt so odd.
1: In fairness, that, that violence and humor, Kyle and I spent Sunday watching a marathon of Batman movies. I think people forget how carelessly violent and a killer he is in some of these films. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, like, we watched the one um, with Catwoman.
0: Batman Returns. Batman yeah.
1: Returns. I mean, he lights a dude on fire with his car. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, funny, yeah. And he's shooting people, like... That's a thing that these films do. I think it's just become something we're a lot more sensitive to, especially after Man of Steel.
0: Well, I think it's it we we also become more sensitive to it because in the Nolan films yeah. Chris Nolan makes a very specific point of this is Batman's rule, he doesn't kill anybody. Yeah. I mean, from the first film, that's mm-hmm. been the case. And that kind of becomes the way we see Batman because those movies are immensely popular in the general populace. So and that's been his rule in the comics for a long time too. So you know, once you've had that fidelity on screen, all of a sudden some of those storytelling avenues get cut off and it becomes a bigger issue when you see him literally pick up a gun and shoot a guy considering he's he's had an issue with guns like pretty much his entire run of his as a character barring his first couple of years in the uh, 1930s and 40s forget
3: the guns how about the fact that he drug a car probably full of people around for like a mile and then (laughs) threw it on top of another car (laughs) it's
4: just cruel those people (laughs) were already probably dead he just right
3: It, even, it, like, even if they'd been thrown from the car, they were probably dead. So. Just to be he sure. He was hunting
4: them like a fucking predator. <laughs> Wait.
3: I don't know. He wasn't as subtle as the predator.
5: But isn't... Isn't the key thing that over the course of the kind of build-up to this movie, all Zack Snyder and the writers have been talking about and Ben Affleck was talking about, oh, he's so damaged, he's so broken, blah, blah, blah. So if that's one of the reasons that he's kind of killing people, fine, you can have the killing, but give it some context, Zack. There's just no context to anything. So if he is broken and damaged and doing these horrendous things to people, that's fine, but please give it some weight in the story instead of... Uh, uh, as you just mentioned, doing it like it's a Tim Burton movie and he's just throwing people down um, sewer grates blowing them up and then smiling at the camera you know what I mean, it wasn't as crass as that but I just felt there was no weight given to the fact that this man is so broken that he's doing things that are actually a little bit horrific Uh, Oh, I might have walked away loving
3: the movie if he like at one point turned around and just gave a thumbs up to the camera and smiled (laughs) after killing somebody (laughs) I, I might have walked away saying that was the best Batman movie ever if he had done that
0: it also highlights like the hypocrisy of like the conflict, right, which is not totally an uninteresting idea if it's executed well. The idea that Superman is after Batman because of his very uh draconian dark awful methods and Batman is after Superman because he's a danger to humanity uh, then they both are trying to take this higher moral ground despite the fact that they're kind of hypocrites but it doesn't really land particularly well especially when they go from 10 to 1 and that's kind of why I wanted to pivot to Superman unless you had something else you wanted to say
1: Anna? I was just going to say I think that's the problem is they tried too hard to give Superman a reason to be mad at Batman even though they barely gave him any time to really do that I thought it would have been more effective if Superman saw Batman as just kind of, like, an ant or an amateur and was just, like, kind of annoyed with him. I thought that would have been more appropriate and kind of funny for, like, a brooding Batman to be really, really upset about Superman and for Superman to be like, I don't really even know what's going on with you. I don't really care. (laughs) Well,
4: too much with the themes uh, of the first scene, where Batman's entire complaint, Batman's entire reason for killing him, is his feeling of impotence. Like, right. That like they couldn't do that because that would mean that one 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 scene had led into another scene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so I guess the rules. That, let, let me pivot to Superman then. Um, what Zack Snyder does in this movie is, and I guess you could say David Goyer and Chris Terrio as well, depending on who does what. Again, I have no idea. They seem, they, they seem to double down on all of the aftermath of Man of Steel. I mean, it is as direct a sequel to another superhero movie as I can think of. Uh, even, I mean, not even the Dark Knight follows on on Batman and Batman begins as much as this movie follows on on the aftermath of Man of Steel. Do you think that was a mistake? Um, to sort of act as a corrective to that movie, especially given sort of the response and the end results here,
2: I actually think that was a really smart um, smart move to start with because it does like the central at least at the beginning of the movie, the central conceit is that. Batman is is the audience from Man of Steel that was complaining about all the, the loss of human life and Superman's uh, totally uncaring. You know, Batman was kind of like an audience um, perspective from that, that movie, and I thought that was a really interesting idea, but it just gets totally, you know, immediately thrown to the wayside, and this movie becomes, oh, well, you know, we destroyed half of Metropolis in the last movie. Well, how can we top that? Well, let's just have this huge thing still sitting in the middle of Metropolis and for some reason, um, and you know, have just as much damage occur again. And like, like it, it it doesn't like, I think correcting that was a great idea and they really flubbed that up. Um, and, and kind of wasted that.
4: Yeah. I thought correcting it was one of the best ideas that they had. Uh, I guess part of my problem is that they clearly weren't sure how to correct it because, okay. So they, they, they have all of a sudden that be the motive for Batman's thing. So, okay. What Superman did was wrong. But then they also have like Hero Square and like a monument to Superman there. So like the people of Metropolis actually loved him for it. But then they have, I don't know, it's just uh, like every time they introduce a new plot element, they kind of contradict a little bit of like how we're supposed to feel about Superman until we get to a point where like somehow we've gotten from um, Pa Kent's uh, speech about letting a bunch of children drown in the first movie being like, Superman was his dream. I don't even know why I'm doing this without his inspiration. I'm just like, wait, but what? Where is this coming from? Um, so, like, I mean, it's the same problem I had with uh, everything else, which was it was a good idea to try and build off of uh, uh, that problem and fix that problem from Men of Steel. They just unfortunately um, didn't do that
0: at all. I almost wonder if it would be better if they just ignored it, you know what I mean? Just ignored the, anything that happened in man of steel and just moved on to Superman status quo. Here's your Superman movie. You know, you've always wanted to see the happy Superman guy. And maybe that plays into like Zack Snyder's inability to punk, you know, create that kind of Superman. Like he can't do the Grant Morrison Superman or whomever, you know, the Kurt Busiek Superman that people seem to like. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to cut off anybody else's thoughts, but I just wanted to throw that else and uh, that in there that the maybe the Superman dynamic with the director and the writers is is at issue here.
1: I don't think it was either a, a good choice or a mistake. Like it just was a decision that could have gone either way. But I, I do think there's a tremendous amount of irony in that they chose to spend this movie addressing critical reviews and got torn apart far more for this movie than they did for the last one. It almost, I think it almost burned them to even, to even try if they weren't able to make that kind of film. But yeah, I mean, it's like, and people, you know, I keep seeing people say like, critics don't matter. That's what this means. It means it doesn't make a difference. But this whole film proves that critics matter because the the premise of the film is based on critical hatred and I guarantee you they will be taking it into account for the next ones, too. They care. Like, they want this to be the Nolan-style Batman films. They don't want this to be Transformers.
4: Well, and they already kind of have. If James Wan did an interview about Aquaman today, and he said, I think he says the word fun, like, 70 or 80 times in that interview. <laughs> Like, he's like, yeah, this is a fun movie. There are, like, giant monsters under the ocean. This is something we've never seen. It really inspires my imagination in fun ways. Like, they're really conscious of
3: that. I like James Wan, but him and fun are not two words I would use in the same <laughs> sentence. What? The guy that made Saw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the guy who made Saw, three Insidious movies, and, like, two Conjuring movies and a Fast and the Furious. He's He's the fun guy we all know how fun Aquaman is. So.
1: I am not interested in that movie at all. I am zero percent. Oh, I, I'm there for
3: it. Uh, with, with, only because of James Wan is the only reason I'm there for it.
4: You don't love the way it uh, constantly looks like Jason Momoa is holding his breath? <laughs>
1: uh, I just, I mean, the moment that they cast him, I was like, well, that sucks. And then, you know, even the idea of the movie was already kind of far-fetched to me. Like, I think the only Aquaman movie I'd like to see... Is kind of like the Aquaman from the Brave and the Bold, where he's just ridiculous and pompous and funny. Like I don't think I'm gonna like this, like Jason Momoa, very serious Aquaman. To,
3: to get oh, yeah. back to Superman, real quick though, like, to, uh, like just to briefly, like, to go from the Man of Steel thing to something else, I had a problem with the, with Superman. Like the Man of Steel stuff, connection to that movie, I, I feel like a lot of that, like the first like ten minutes of the movie, all that is, I think, a very natural progression from man of steel and like a lot of things that happen as a result of it are a natural progression from man of steel my biggest problem with the movie is more that like for a superman movie superman just becomes this piece of meat that we move around and we get a brief reaction from him from each little set piece that we move him around to and then we beat up that piece of meat a little bit more and then we take him to another scene and then we just keep doing that until we've killed our piece of meat here so like I my my problem is Henry Cavill does a great job as Superman and he has nothing to do in this movie. He has arguably less to do than Gal Gadot does and she's hardly in the damn thing. So well, look, the one
5: uh, the one thing I did like with the portrayal of Superman was the fact, that with everything that's going on in terms of the fact that the society hated him, um, that different people like him, and there seems to be loads of controversy created by that within the context of the story. But there seem to be moments where you expect some level of introspection that normally comes about from his interaction with the two female characters in his life, be it Lois and Martha. So there seem to be this whole kind of narrative strand around the um, the emotionality and the relationship between those characters that I felt was teetering on the brink of going somewhere and then never went anywhere. Like, by the time he goes off to... Is it Antarctica he goes to? Sorry, my geography is terrible. But when he goes off, he it, it leaves Lois behind, and that should be an emotional moment, but it 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 it's just not... It doesn't resonate enough to give the Superman character any depth. I think almost... I mean, what's that first coda in terms of when they introduce Superman, they describe him as the first appearance of the Superman. So you're already feeling as if you're on the periphery of this character going straight in the movie, and you never feel as if you're getting inwardly, in a character, to me, that has a lot of introspective goodness about him, but it's never kind of realised in the story of the movie. But I did like his interactions with Thoris Lane. Um, I did like um, the interactions with his mum. But I just wish there had been more of that. And frankly, I wish that this was just a Man of Steel 2 movie (laughs) because you could have done something with those ideas. But, yeah.
3: It's sad that like the the biggest Superman moment that I was like, oh, that's a pretty clever idea that I loved is also more a Batman moment. And it's when they're at that party and he hears Alfred talking to him. And I thought that was probably the most clever thing they did with Superman the whole time. And then I
4: walked downstairs to see what he was doing.
0: I loved I loved the, that scene, by the way, Andrew. When you talk about that, you know, it's been eighteen months. It's eighteen months before, or when when they, the world was introduced to the Superman, yeah. like when they have that yeah. first like text screen and that that scene. Even though I have qualms with it, I wish the movie carried that same sense of bombast throughout. Yeah, like that very operatic, like oh shit, this is huge. You know, unfortunately, the problem with this movie is every scene that I like. Has something that I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. So there's really nothing in this movie where I can say, well, this was great all the way through. This one little section was great all the way through. Because I have a minor quibble. Even that scene, as Cal pointed out, the people trying to clear out the building when the alien <laughs> ship is attacking, you know, why didn't they clear out the building an hour ago when that fucking ship showed up? I mean, I wouldn't be standing in a skyscraper with an alien <laughs> ship there. But And it goes on and on and on. But I think the thing about about Superman in this film that really strikes me and I've seen this criticism before is that, uh, you know, Zack Snyder does not like Superman or he hates Superman. I've seen that from a number of different critics. Um, And I can understand why somebody would say that. I think more for me is that I think Zack Snyder relates Superman very heavily to the Jesus Christ parable. Uh, And I think you know it was very clear in Man of Steel with all the visual iconography that was there i think it plays even more a role in this movie in terms of its plot i think there's a very strong conservative message being par- parlayed here by Zack Snyder in that superman is the christ figure that the media and the and half the american public is pushing away whereas others treat him as if he's like the coming of god i mean you you see that scene in the the day of the dead uh, area of mexico where they're having uh, where he saves that young woman from the burning building and everyone touches him like he's uh like he is you know jesus christ resurrected and then on the other hand you've got like cnn anchors which you know coincidentally is just because it's owned by time warner but you have cnn anchors turning around and saying well does the world really need a superman and you've got like politicians pushing against him and to me up until like he reaches his eventual moment of uh i guess Uh, you know, uh, redemption towards the end. uh, I I feel like those parallels are quite strong. And I think that's probably not the most appropriate use of the character, but I guess in a way, since it's been sort of with him since at least Singer, if not before then, I I can see why someone would elaborate on that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I I understand, obviously the Jesus Christ metaphor is, Heavy-handed. It's very clear. It's completely intentional. But I think I think some of the reviews that irritate me the most for this movies or, or this movie are the ones that really delve into like what are his politics, what is his religion, what is he trying to do? To, I I think he's just not a very adept storyteller. Like I think he's really good at making things look good. He's a really good director for fight scenes and things like that. But I think he just didn't have a lot of judgment when it came to which parts of the story to support. Like, I do think you know, when you described whoever described the two scripts and he's kind of picking and choosing what he wants, it just seemed like he went for like weird sparkly moments and sacrificed logic to do it. And I mean, like, I think, I think Shane tweeted something about is, is Superman Trump or is this movie Donald Trump?
3: Uh, Oh, variety had the headline that, uh, batman v superman is the donald trump of uh comic book movies which that's when i just went over the hill with okay like there's a point where i can understand and even agree with a lot of criticism that's been thrown at this movie but there's been many many a time this weekend where i'm just like oh well fuck you you're you're just going too far with it you're just like beating a dead horse to a pulp and that was that was the final straw with that stuff
0: um, so there's also a villain in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's like yeah. two or three. <laughs> yeah. but let's talk about the, let's two talk two about the one. <laughs> let's talk about the main one. I guess he's sort of the third part of this trifecta in this, terms of the stars of this film. Jesse Eisenberg plays a very different type of Lex Luthor. Uh, I'll just go ahead and put my cards on the table and say he's probably my favorite part of this movie. Oh,
5: yeah. yeah. Me too, me too. <laughs> um,
0: mainly because – as my friend Chris put it when we got together and talked about this, he's kind of like Willem Dafoe in Boondock Saints where he's clearly in a very different movie than anybody else and <laughs> his performance seems to reflect that. He's the only time I laughed out loud during this movie really uh, and I, I just – I kind of adored his performance even oh, I did though too even though it's in the Jesse Eisenberg, you know, realm of things and weird. And I don't know, he's he's almost pulling a James Franco on all of us, but maybe, maybe other people felt differently.
3: I, I think we got exactly what we should have been expecting from it. I think anybody expecting him to do like a uh, Heath Ledger kind of role reversal kind of thing with Lex Luthor was just kind of crazy, especially once we got more images of him from the film. Um, but I, I loved almost every
5: second he was on screen. Yeah, I loved it. I loved his moments with Holly Hunter. I loved it when he put the boiled sweet um, in that person's mouth. I—I'd never laughed that much. I just—I just howled. No one else in the cinema laughed. but I thought it was his yeah, performance. <laughs> all of it was just fantastic. And he kind of moves around like this kind of elongated spider with his arms all over the place, and it's just absolutely marvelous. So yeah, i, I really liked his performance.
2: I really, really did not like him. Honestly, I—I I really like um, Jesse Eisenberg normally, but. I mean, like you said, he felt like he was from a different movie, and I don't mo- – all of and, – and this is not necessarily on him, but uh, as part of the script, to me, so much of his stuff just fell totally flat. It was just these weird, like, kind of one-liners, but they didn't really make a lot of sense, um, and they had very little impact, and I, to me, he was just laughably ridiculous, and not, not in a menacing or, you know – not in a genuinely funny way, but in a just like, what is this? I mean, the whole I, I, like I just use the the his last scene as an example. Just this whole like, ding ding, like the bell has been rung. It's like I I could not take it seriously. It was ridiculous to me.
5: Yeah, I just yeah I I didn't take it seriously. I just thought. I, again yeah like a lot of you said i just thought you were in another universe to what is going on this is just fantastic that they've let something this ridiculous into this movie i just loved it
4: <laughs> my, my biggest problem is kind of that they let something this ridiculous into the movie though because like okay i enjoyed i like i enjoyed uh eisenberg's performance in a way like it was uh bizarre and entertaining although uh like you harper i hated that final like ding ding as <laughs> I, like, I, understood <laughs> what they were, I understood what they were going for. I just hated watching it and listening to it. But I guess my, um, my big issue with him comes from just that he's another part of the, there's no unifying idea or theme or aesthetic or anything to this movie. It's just whatever's cool. Like uh, There was an interview recently with Zack Snyder where they talk about um, Jesse Eisenberg was actually hired to play Jimmy Olsen. And who, uh, in case, in case you didn't know, Jimmy Olsen is the uh, photographer who gets shot in the desert in case you didn't know that, but he was hired to play Jimmy Olsen and Zack Snyder was like, look, we're going to do like a kind of fake out psycho type thing, you know, hire a big name actor to play Jimmy Olsen and then kill him in like his first scene just to raise the stakes. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg was like, oh, yeah, like a kind of reversal, fake out, you know, like, yeah, I get that. That's cool. And Zack Snyder's reaction to one of the actors agreeing with him was, man, this guy's fucking crazy. I'm going to make him Lex Luthor. And he <laughs> he backed out of hiring Brian Cranston, who he was in, who was finalizing negotiations for the role and uh, rewrote everything to fit Eisenberg's persona.
1: See, I write that same article, but I, t- I took it more as just meeting Jesse Eisenberg. He was like, I want you to do exactly what you're doing in front of me throughout the whole movie and be you. Which still lends itself to this idea, you're right, that he's just kind of like, this is cool and this is cool and this is cool. And I'm going to put them all together and it's going to be really cool. And Of course, that didn't really work, but... I didn't take it as this guy agrees with me so much as just I want Jesse Eisenberg to be Jesse Eisenberg. Screw Lex Luthor. I want this guy.
4: Yeah, I mean that's that's totally fair. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not being uh, I'm not giving the most sympathetic possible reading to Zack Snyder's <laughs> motives here, but I mean it's still it's still kind of part and parcel with the 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 lack of foresight that dominates the entire movie for me. That you know it's just. A, that he had an idea and a script, and as soon as he found something that looked neat compared to what the old idea was that that was just gone that was the new the, you know it's just he's has this is uh an a d d movie you know it's just oh shit shiny
1: yes, it's a very think, shiny objects movie,
0: which I have to say kept me from getting bored uh <laughs> maybe, maybe not in a good way. But you know, sometimes with these superhero movies, I get so so bored yeah. because they hit the same beats every time. And we've talked about this a bunch, where you know they have to do that in order to secure the giant budgets that they need from investors and the producers and the like. And I I just uh, I, I can understand why somebody would have that in- instinct to like really shake things up every time. Unfortunately, he just. It doesn't have much of a hit rate here, and that's that's kind of why I find it interesting, but I don't necessarily think it's good. Um, yeah, it's, I'm
1: totally on the same page. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and there's something I find admirable about that in that sort of I don't know Jupiter ascending way, I guess, or whatever. But let, let me talk about speaking of foresight. That's a that's that's a, that's as close as a as a as a lead in <sighs> as I can get is to talk about the Justice League stuff that I think maybe dominates this movie to its detriment, even though when I talked with a friend of mine, he said, it's only a few minutes of the movie here and there, but I felt like it was such an aggravation that just pulled you out of the movie even further. And especially, and it reminded me that I was watching corporate product. So you get at least... Three different instances, if not more, of Justice League set up. And I I will say this much. I think the first instance where Bruce Wayne flashes into that desert sequence with the Omega symbol and all the parademons and he's in that big trench coat, uh, I I thought that was maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, I just liked it a lot because it was totally just Bat shit. That
1: was my favorite scene,
0: I think. Uh, it was just absolutely batshit. I didn't love him pulling a gun and killing people, but I did I did love that setting, and I loved the Flash appearing, even though you didn't know it was the Flash necessarily because of the way he was obscured. I liked that a lot. And it, it, what, what I liked about that scene is I actually felt like it influenced the plot ever so slightly because it was the first real instance that pushed Bruce Wayne away from Lex Luthor and onto Superman, but accidentally. Because mm-hmm. he inferred whatever the hell the Flash is talking about as as Superman. Superman. And I thought, oh, that's kinda clever. It's probably the only time in this movie when I thought, oh, this is really clever.
4: I, I, I hated the nightmare. I, I like hated it in a bone deep gut way. That's honestly uh probably the, the most intense reaction that movie gave me uh in part just because you know i mean you complain about you know being sick of uh, the superhero action brawls and i'm like okay but like as long as i understand who the people who are fighting are and why they're fighting i'm okay with like a big brawl like superhero movies way way overdo it i fucking i'm like i'm sick of 30 minute 40 minute uh long battles But as long as I understand what's like, why, what's at stake, why the characters are doing this, et cetera, I'm okay with it. And that scene was just Zack Snyder pulling out his fucking like high school dream journal. And just like, it was just, it was just nothing there. It was, it was so, it was just nothing. And I was just, I couldn't do it. I I got so bored because I didn't know why I was supposed to care, and then it turned out that it was a dream that the Flash had sent him from the future uh, buried inside another dream. And I was just like, I. not only do I not care, Zack Snyder doesn't care. Like No one involved with this cared what this was or who
3: well, else was. It's, it's interesting to me, like all the Justice League stuff, which like as somebody – even with somebody who's only really been big into DC since the new 52, I could – Pick out pretty much every little bit that happened, uh, which I was thankful for at least. But it, it's interesting to me with all that Justice League stuff because people love to complain about like Marvel Easter eggs and the MCU movies being like, oh, well, that's not going to make any sense. And you got to see all these other movies for it to pay off. But really you don't like there may be certain movies that you need to see one or two before it and there may be one or two little scenes that like may not make complete sense to you but like you don't have to have seen the after credit scene or the little easter egg for two seconds somewhere else to understand it but almost every easter egg in this movie felt like something that like you're gonna have to make sure you remember this because when we make a movie three years from now that references it you're gonna be really upset if you don't remember it
5: I think the problem I had with it is more of a contextual problem in terms of the dramatic weight of the things that happened in the story. So I was speaking to a friend of mine about the movie the other day, and she had no, no idea about um, the coming Justice League movie or anything like that. So when Superman died, she felt that it really affected her because she didn't know that was what was coming down the line. But I think the contextual problem that all of these movies now face is the fact it's a conveyor belt. So although people might dispute the kind of goodness of the three Nolan films, they felt as part of a whole. Whereas now, when Superman dies in this movie, I'm not feeling it because I know for a fact that he'll be back in the Justice League movie that I know is coming up and that everyone is talking about and that has started shooting. So as as you move down the line with these comic book movies, the main problem, I think, that the only problem I have with them is kind of, I appreciate that Hollywood is a business, but when you know the things in your own story that you're telling when you're doing the movie are kind of affected by what the audience does is coming down the line, it takes away the narrative grip that you can have on any story that you want to tell. And I, I don't notice it as much in Marvel movies, but maybe I think going, moving forward, I think... This storytelling problem is gonna come up again and again and again because these things will just run and run and run before they're maybe rebooted when we're all seventy three. So, I, I, yeah, that's that was my main feeling about the Justice League stuff. So,
2: and I get that, like, you know, this is this is DC's last a uh, last ditch effort to create a DC universe, you know, in, in the movies. And, and I get that they're trying really hard to do that. And, and there's a small part of me, a fanboy part of me, that's, re- you know, very excited about that possibility. But to me, if you've got to have this, like, Justice League stuff thrown in here to, you know, prep people for the next movie or whatever, if you have to have it, you either have to have it make sense within the movie and, and have a purpose or you completely separate it from the movie and it's a post credit scene or a special feature on the DVD or a teaser for the next movie. But instead, these are so fucking random. It's just like, uh, oh, hey, we really want to show, like, Aquaman and the Flash. Um, oh, let's have Batman have to upload a file that takes really long so he falls asleep um, so he can have a dream. And then, I mean, you know, it's maybe the Flash bit is uh, of him popping up and, the, and then the, the video footage of him is the only one that's, like, Um, somewhat successful in in being kind of interesting visually and being able to tell a little bitty story about this character in, you know, 30 seconds, the cyborg and Aquaman ones were so ridiculous. Uh, Aquaman in particular, where he just, you know, shows up and looks into the camera like, and just sits there for for two minutes with his hair flowing in the water and then disappears. um.
0: Yeah. He forks it with his hate fork or whatever. (laughs) Tried
5: it. What the hell? (laughs) Did I miss something as well? I'm sorry. How does How does Lex Luthor know that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Is that part of the research that he's been doing? I, d- I didn't understand in, that either. In one of Pardon the screens, maybe.
4: <laughs> Literally, everyone in the movie discovers everyone else's secret, secret identity off screen at some point. Mm-hmm.
3: Ah. I feel like Superman hearing uh, Alfred talk to uh, Bruce is him discovering. His identity, or at least becoming suspicious of him.
2: That that one makes a little bit of sense, but the others are totally unexplained or, or just sort of random. But-
0: yeah, I mean, it really just depends on how much you know, how much foreknowledge the this you know the dark side stuff is supposed to give Lex, and I have no right. because the movie doesn't really explain that accurately. To be frank with you, and I so and I told some folks this after the movie, they never reference dark side outwardly. And no. the way they zoom in on the devil And that painting at the end You think he might be talking about Lucifer or something Because they don't talk about dark side. They nope. just talk about this bad thing that's coming So it's, it's just a problem With not being able to set up the stakes But I also understand that they don't want to try and copy Marvel by showing a big bad guy that looks a whole lot like Thanos. So yeah. that, which is what Dark Side does, he looks like Thanos and Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 just you know these sort of anonymous looking bad guys that general audiences just won't recognize right off the bat. Um, so I get they they, they had being being it's second. Is is creating a lot of problems for them, unfortunately. Um, So, and I I think those are issues that they may or may not be able to overcome. With only a few minutes left, because I I know we wanted to get this done in an hour, um, let me ask you guys this Where do you think it goes from here? This movie made 166, 165 million, I think, uh, this past weekend, which is good even though the drop between Friday and Sunday was pretty tremendous. I mean, it went from like an 80-something or less Friday, I can't even remember, to like a $30 million Sunday. And some of that you can blame on Easter. Some of that you can Friends blame on to say
3: Easter. Easter is probably –
0: Part of that, at least. Uh, part, but Fast and Furious didn't have any problems with it. So uh, at least it made about $20 million more on an su- Easter Sunday. So uh, I'm curious, guys. The, there's a good chance that next weekend this movie could drop somewhere between 60 and 70%, which if it drops as much as 70%, that's a really ugly look for the studio. But Worldwide Box Office could save it. Uh, do you think Snyder stays on? I mean, they're supposed to launch this thing on April 11th, this Justice League movie. What, what, what do you, you think is going to happen? I think he stays on
3: for at least Justice League, and after that he might just become the idea man.
5: You've got, I think you've got a problem if Zack Snyder is your ideas man. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't. a large problem. I,
4: I, think, I think that uh, they, they picked that April date uh, very, very specifically uh, for uh, the start of Justice League. I think that if this movie does have a 60 70% drop next weekend, um, it almost doesn't matter how the uh, worldwide box office is. Snyder's out. If it doesn't, if it manages to stay pretty, pretty consistent, um, you know, like a pretty, pretty typical drops, or even you know, like uh, better than average drops, Snyder's still in. But this is definitely for him a game of you know what this what this looks like in two, three, four weeks. You know, they want something that's going to carry. Uh, I don't think they're going to cancel the DC uh, Cinematic Universe uh, just because they've still got Suicide Squad, which is already wrapped and coming out in a few months, and Wonder Woman, which is already filming. So, I mean, unless Suicide Squad also bombs pretty hard, I think that they're going to just keep pushing forward. I think the only question is if Zack Snyder is going to. And I'll be honest, this, this was my last Zack Snyder movie ever. I'm, I'm done with him. I have no interest in what he has to say. Uh, if this was a pretty movie, I would have been okay with it. I would have been more interested. But he, yeah, I'm done with him. So if the, I'm praying for the 70% drop. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I kind of hope this is the end for of the Snyderverse as well. I'm I'm much more interested in the, you know, bringing new people in as they're doing with uh, Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman. I'm far more interested in those movies than I ever was in this even to begin with.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about which is for sure I think everyone agrees across the board, the best part of this movie was Wonder Woman. I mean, yep. she was fantastic and in every Annihilation of this movie I've seen. I don't think I've seen anyone rip apart that character or that performance. He, she was just perfect.
5: Can um, I can I disagree?
1: Really? Yeah. Go for
5: yes. Me. Yeah. This is going to be controversial. I I felt when she first came on, she was a bit too kind of vampy. She she didn't feel like Wonder Woman. And when she's ju- j- jumping into these fast cars and at all all of these kind of high end events, it didn't fit. But what, what I did like was when. Um, Bruce said something too when she'd stolen the um, disc and she actually told him that she'd given it back to him that's when the character started to come back around for me but there was none of the kind of uh, Matt Wagner approach where you have kind of Batman Wonder Woman and Superman all kind of disagreeing and having, seen, having a different perspective there was none of that so she just felt like she was there but it, it never felt true and she never felt like a kind of every woman to me she just felt like this kind of vampy, I'm Zach Snyder, dresses with cleavage, ha ha ha, and it just never felt, it never felt right for me. But I, yeah. I prefer, I preferred Lois Lane. I love Lois Lane in this movie. She, she really Yeah, I thought loves she had a really,
1: she had a really good uh, James Bond thing almost going on, like, yeah, this, like she... Wonder Woman as Bond, which I loved. But anyway, I digress. Uh, my Sorry. point being that I think, I think you know that movie will probably do really well. And I think Justice League will probably go ahead without any problems. But I think what we can also definitely expect is for Ben Affleck to get even more involved in these movies.
0: Oh yes, yep, and um, I, maybe I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm wondering how how long Affleck will stick around. If right. if, he, if if he's if this if this is like potentially detrimental to his career, especially if he wants to get Live by Night done. I, I just wonder if maybe he's going to bow out.
3: I, right I, I think he kind of wants to do that solo Batman movie and he might stick around long enough to do that, but he might be a one and done kind of guy, even when it comes to that.
1: Yeah. I think he wants his really good superhero movie. And I think he's going to stick it out and be super heavily involved in making that Batman movie. Cause I mean, he had the sting of daredevil and he still did this and yeah. he got shit on a lot for taking that part. And he's been shit on a lot for this movie. So I don't think he's going to call it a day there.
5: Could yeah. I? Could I- could I offer a hopeful thought for the future with Zack Snyder? I think, he, to me, he seems like a director who's he's on the brink of doing something that's absolutely fantastic, but then just doesn't want to go over that precipice and just comes up with a movie like this. So I, the, the ideas in this film, if you can, if you can get with a scriptwriter who kind of dials him back a bit and lets the story and ideas flow more, you could have a, you, you potentially could create a masterpiece. That, that I say potentially, but yeah, I I see, I see hope with Zack Snyder because he does tend to go towards ideas that have huge amounts of gravitas and a wealth and um, stunning kind of um, desire to tell a huge, expansive story, but he just doesn't seem to be able to pick apart the components to do it. So I have hope for Justice League. I, it I, may be one of the best ever, I hope. Zack Snyder, if
4: he has a tight script... And no one will let him do what he wants. I think that he could have a, he could make a great movie. Uh, I mean, his Dawn of the Dead's pretty good because he didn't have any authority on it, and it had a tight script from James Gunn. Um,
3: Which I mean, if if Batman vs Superman does drop off, maybe they don't fire him, but maybe they put him on a tighter leash than he had with this movie. So,
4: like, honestly, though, like, what do they get by keeping him? Like. He's a punching bag in a lot of fan communities. He's an absolute punching bag in critical communities after this movie. Like, if he doesn't bring any sort of innovative or interesting story sense to these, what – what, why keep him? I mean, even his design – like, the mother box in this was horrible looking. It was ugly. The nightmare stuff, like – it was kind of neat, but the parademons were just very generic aliens pulled from oh, – I don't even remember what movie it's from. But, I mean, they were borrowing effects left and right. Like it's its just sloppy.
0: My guess is – and this is just my, my guess. I don't know what James Wan is doing right now scheduling-wise, if he's finishing up Conjuring 2 or where he's yeah. at on that. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they push off the Justice League start date. And either move David Ayer into that slot as director or James Wan because they're clearly very happy with David Ayer. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of the insider reports say that Suicide Squad looks great. The studio is excited about it. They're really pumped about where this is going even though they're doing some touch-ups to make it a little funnier apparently. The – and James Wan is a huge success for the studio. I mean yeah. – and uh, when it comes to uh, uh, you know big franchises that use a lot of big names, he made a lot of money for uh, Fur- Furious 7. So – and that's, that's quite a lumbering beast to work with. So they could see that guy as really good with ensemble players. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Snyder gets, gets slotted out. But the problem is it's based around schedule. And right now it's like a train that just can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, Patty Jenkins can't do it because she's filming Wonder Woman right now. So they don't have a whole hell of a lot of options unless they pull from somebody outside. And I, I, don't, I, I just don't see George Miller doing this, you know. No. Uh, no. Been there, done that. So they're either going to stick with Snyder or they're going to move, my guess is, one of these other two guys that aren't haven't started their second DC project yet, which would be Suicide Squad 2, or their first one, which is Aquaman. uh I'd- I'd say it's more likely one of them gets the
3: Justice League Part 2.
0: Yep. All right. Well, that's a good, that's a good final word to end on, Shane. We're going to wrap up here in our full hour. Anyway, that's Super Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's in theaters for now. Check it out. It's a big hit this weekend, and uh, we'll see where it goes next, and how the DC Cinematic Universe builds from there. Uh, join us next week. We'll be talking about more fun stuff. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.